0: There's Crispy, and then there's Crispy-er. Try our new and improved Tyson Crispy Chicken Strips. Crispy just got crispy-er.
1: What's good, everyone? You're listening to HBCU 468, the Rodan Fellows podcast. I'm Menea Shabazz from Grambling State University, and I'm your host today. Joining me in the studio are my co host Isaiah Smalls, Morehouse College alum.
2: What's going on, y'all?
1: And Donna Dooley from North Carolina A&T.
3: What's good, people?
1: Bill Roden is out on an assignment, but will join us in the second half of the show, which will be pretty awesome if I do say so myself. We'll be speaking with former NBA player Jason Collins about LBGTQ Pride Month and how he stayed connected to the NBA since retiring. We'll also be talking about Drake's highly anticipated album, Scorpion. But before we do, let's go to the news everyone is talking about. Latoya Luckett, actress and former Destiny Child member, is pregnant. Congratulations to her. But just kidding. LeBron is moving to LA. What do you think about this? Donovan, start us off.
3: Well, obviously I think this decision by Braun is one made, you know, it didn't really have much to do with basketball guys. I think when you look at it, I think Braun's family was, really likes being in the LA area, really likes the, the you know, that West Coast feel. Um, I think this is a, this is a move for Braun that's going to be outside of basketball, even going towards the end of his career when you talk about his entertainment business and, you know, him wanting to expand his reach outside of the game of basketball. So I think this was a, this was a business and more of a business and family decision, uh, more so than anything on the basketball court because I definitely felt that Paul George staying in Oklahoma City was going to significantly affect Braun's decision of going out to LA, but, in turn, that didn't end up happening. So I think for Braun, this was more of a, you know, what what's the best just what's the best situation I can put my family in and what's the best situation I can put myself in going later down the line for after my career. And, I, and ultimately, I think that's the reason he chose L.A.
2: Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you, Donovan. It's definitely bigger than basketball. Um, of course, you spoke about his entertainment company and, fa- and his family and how they feel about the L.A. era area, excuse me. But I think it also has to do with legacy a little bit. Um, Mr. Roden wrote about how in order for LeBron to actually surpass Jordan, he would have to bring three different teams to an NBA championship. And then outside of that, I think he wants to be the one that kind of revitalizes the Lakers. You know, we've seen how they've been since, you know, the, the loss of Kobe and really with Kobe still on the roster towards the end of his career. And so I think, it's big for him to be able to revitalize the Lakers uh, roster, the fan base.
1: Um, I definitely think that this is an interesting move for LeBron. I think everyone projected that he was going to the Lakers. You know, I just think that it's crazy the amount of, you know, talent everyone's in the West now. And, the Celtics and 76ers are really going to have to grow quickly in order to stay relevant and um, I think it will be an interesting dynamic to see them as well as far as Golden State and then the Lakers kind of battling out you know that's going to be interesting I don't think that they're the Lakers are ready right now I think that they're missing you know have a missing link but hopefully you know that does get secured and that would really so they can even compete with the Warriors
2: that roster is terrible it's oh my god the fact that they still have Lual Deng on it just—it just okay, yeah. Now that—that now that right there is a <laughs> it gives lot me a like,
3: headache, but like I don't understand how you have blue Deng still on the roster. Hasn't played in three oh years. My God, I've never even seen him in the Lakers uniform. I've seen <laughs> him. I've seen him twice, literally twice in the Lakers uniform.
1: But if That's LeBron it. is able to do this, like you know, ugh. He can't That's do it by enemy. himself, though.
2: Right? He ain't doing it this year. He ain't going to do it this year. He's got
3: four he years. Yeah, he got four years. He has three in the player yeah. option. Yeah. three in the player yeah. option. Yeah, but it, it, it ain't <laughs> happening this year. Like The championship, like the Bronze run the final surprise. I don't think you can
1: over. give up that easily. No, no I I think it's, it over. Might. It's, it's over. It's over. Houston
3: is back.
2: We don't even got to start talking about Golden State, I'm pretty sure. Like We all know how they can. Do you know what the West is? The West's a gauntlet. OKC. Damien so and the boys out all. of Portland. Let's not even start talking about that. So palates. next
1: year, next year, you guys, think. If they get
2: Kawhi. 2019-20 season. If they get Kawhi. Yeah, that's
3: if they get Kawhi
2: the yeah, mm. or
1: another superstar. Cause what's it been, like, since 2012? Since they won?
3: Since who won?
2: Lakers. The Lakers? Yeah. Oh. Since they won a playoff Ooh. game? Ooh, that's, a good, <laughs> that's, that's a great Seas.
1: question.
2: That's a great question. Yeah, I think minute. it's been
1: since 2012.
2: It's mm. something like that. Yeah. It's been a
3: long time. It's been a very, very long time.
2: That should all change though with I think LeBron can can win
3: at I least think so too. one playoff series. Oh, he's gonna get to the second round. I'm yeah. saying that yeah. the second round, but I'm saying that his uh finals run is over. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's what I'm that's, saying. I'm saying gone. I'm not saying he's gonna go in there that and not make the gone. playoffs. Like it's LeBron James, he's gonna make the playoffs. Yeah. Like he's gonna get to the second round. Like, but when you talk about that top four projected in the West when you got um Golden State one, um Houston LA too. LA four Houston two OKC three with those matchups. I don't know if LeBron can get past them. You know, in the second round.
1: So, wild guess: Who would you guys project in the finals? You have to pick two teams right Celtics now. Celtics,
3: Warriors, hmm. Houston, Celtics. Ooh, hot hmm. take: Rockets versus the Celtics.
1: Okay. So with that out the way, let's dive into this new Drake. As you all know, the Canadian artist recently dropped his fifth studio album, Scorpion. He dropped some big surprises, like confirming he has a kid, clarified his lack of response to Pusher T, and even squashed his beef with Jay-Z. With that being said, what did y'all think, positive and negatives?
2: All right. So my first reaction from this album was that production off the hook, uh, it was amazing, the uh, all, everybody that this man Drake had from no ID, from 40, like everyone really just put their whole foot into these beats. Also, he addressed his child. That was also what I was looking for for this album. Pusha T obviously bodied him, and so I wanted to hear his response. And his response was, hey, I got a kid, had to hide him from y'all. World's a crappy place. Uh, and going on, the bars were there. Drake has a tendency to be really corny, but uh, the bars were definitely, definitely, definitely there.
3: In the words of the great Tara Dooley, shout out my mama. Mama Dooley. Sometimes you gotta know how to lose, you know. And in her words, it's exactly what she said. She said, Pusha T might have won the battle, but Drake won the war. And I'm gonna explain that. When you look at it, of course everybody knows Pusha T completely bodied Drake, like disintegrated him in the rat beef. um but now everybody was on pins and needles seeing how this man Drake would respond in Scorpion. And now everyone and their mother is talking about how this man performed on Scorpion. They're talking about side A, they're talking about side B, they're talking about side C if there's a if there's a side that yeah, he didn't about even release <laughs> if there's a side that he didn't even <laughs> release. Like they're talking about it all on Scorpion. They're talking about everything. And it just puts more revenue in his pockets. It's more downloads. It's more streams. And it's just elevating him as one of the top people in the game right now. So, Pusha T-Mai won the battle, but Drake definitely won the war. And he's capitalizing off of it right now. Checks coming in.
1: Um, As far as positives uh, for this album, I definitely think that this is a culmination of Drake's growth. Um, throughout all his albums, you know, and this kind of, now this is the forefront, I just think it shows, especially with the, you know, Pusha T Beef, him taking a peaceful approach and saying, you know, it might end in one of us, one of our lives ending. I think it's best for, you know, us to stop responding. And as far as with the Jay-Z beef, you know, he had Jay-Z on his album, and then admitting that he had a kid, it just shows, you know, Drake's like, it's time for me to grow up, and admit my wrongs, and as far as negatives, I would definitely have to say that I just felt like the album was too long. Um, I do like the idea of a double sided album. You know, you got rapping and Drake and then you got singing Drake. But it's just like it's an hour and 30 minutes long. You know, it's like a movie right there. So listening to it straight through, it was a lot. Uh, I think Donovan said that he like fell asleep
3: <laughs> I was calling Z's during
1: Ratchet yeah, birthday. yeah. yeah.
2: that song will make you call Z's you can be fully awake yeah
1: but when you you know when you can go back and listen to your favorite songs you know you have a wide selection to choose from so
3: that is very true mm-hmm. and I also believe the production like Isaiah mentioned was immaculate on this song Definitely. on this album on both, on both sides A and B um, I feel like Drake was really expanded himself and showed every um, every facet of his, um, ability, um, and during this album, which was really, really great for his fans, um, like Isaiah probably mentioned earlier, um, to give him, to give them, you know, just uh, the overarching side of Drake and who Drake is as an artist now. And so I believe that was the good part of it. Um, was it too long? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. many people on Twitter have said we could have used, used about 12 of the 25 songs. And mm. I, and I completely agree with that mm. because, we just didn't need all that man like I said I was calling Z's during Ratchet Happy Birthday and by the time by the time that fantasy song came on I was already knocked out like come on like come on Drake (laughs) I think I think the in order to really contextualize this album you really have to separate it
2: you can't include it into one big thing of course it's all under the name Scorpion but you have to really treat it like um, the Ray Strummerd album there was three separate albums in one you had Slim Jimmys, you had Swag Lee's and you had Ray Strummerd I think that's the way you got to really treat drake he's that versatile he can be a rapper he can be a singer and my biggest beef with drake was that he could never please all of his fans on one album but i think this was the one that he really really did a good job but um in terms of negatives though did not need god's plan or i'm upset on there would have done amazing without it um especially on side a didn't need it i'm Um, upset i'm upset about i'm upset that's fine you are but also Michael Jackson, you could have kept that in the vault. Stop. You did not need to bring that cap. name back for the deck, oh, back cap. from the dead for that. Just I can't fade. Oh, I'm not. cap caps lost <sighs> was not a was not a good song. It was a good I song. disagree with you, Isaiah. I know you do. That's fine
1: because the fact that we saw we were like, oh Michael Jackson, like it gives that wow factor, and you know the fact that he was able to get Michael Jackson's voice in a new song that nobody heard, drank. it kind of and it, per- it was produced. But, real. but it's you know it's kind of like remembrance like oh like paying homage to michael jackson but i think the best the message of the song like oh like we got michael jackson in the song like that's what you have to listen to
2: i think the best way to pay homage to this man would have been to a leave him where he is or b if you got to bring him back bring him back on a better song than that because that wasn't it and last but not least you're wrong this man is 31 years old and still getting played someone someone please give me an answer to that donovan you
3: got one yes you wanna know why? Why? Because I've been saying this for years. Drake is a dork at heart. <laughs> at At his core, bro. At Drake's core, this man is Jimmy from Degrassi. At his Wheelchair core, Jimmy. At his core, bro. This man is walking in, fourteen years old, nappy fro, sitting <laughs> down with the long gray shirt writing his love letter to his crush saying, Can you check the box yes if you like me or not? Like that's this is Drake at his core, man. Just because you're thirty one and you're an international pop star now, you're an international superstar, does not mean your core values change. That's real. That's his core, this man is a dork. That's real. That's real. This dork produces good music, but he's still a dork, you know. And this is this is why I think that he he continues to rap about his heartbreaks that he's had at 15 years old, and he just can't seem to move past it. I mean, you've you've messed with Rihanna, you messed with J Lo. Who else have you messed with? Nicki Minaj is reported he was messing Mm, with. Nah, Nicki didn't give him any play. Oh really? Yeah, he got got, he got he got curved, bro. Is he still talking about that then? (laughs) Scorpion. Oh my god.
1: Do you guys think like when he's 60 he's gonna be rapping about his heartbreaking and stuff? Yes.
2: I think he's gonna be start rapping about, uh, Adonis's heartbreak at that point. He's gonna be, he's no, gonna be one of those helicopter it. parents and he's gonna be like, hey man, my son got his heart broken in kindergarten, man, I can't fade. I was about to
3: run up on the parents, man. Is he? I mean, he's only seen that child twice, and I don't know. Was it like <laughs> almost a year or so? <laughs> about a year and a
4: but half. But he's not so a like, deadbeat.
3: Only deadbeats are the ones
4: I'll be, be rapping on.
1: sips tea. I'm
2: <laughs> in mean, on that deadbeat. Mm. <laughs> all right, but let's let's uh kind of go back a little bit. So, do you all think that Drake took the right approach with this beef? Yes. Is the beef even over with Pusha T? What's going on? Oh, it's done it's done who won who won
1: Pusha
3: T T, obviously Pusha T won it's like I mentioned earlier shout out to again. Dooley (laughs) again sometimes you gotta no one take that L that's real he took it like a man and he took that L he he may have lost the battle but he won the war that's real and he definitely took the right approach um, you know producing this album and letting these people come in and just Shower him and shower him with um, their praise of this album, because everyone wanted to hear what this man Drake had to say in response to everything that Pusha said. So,
1: so I believe that the beef is over, but I don't agree with Drake's approach to this. I really don't. Um, it just seems like one thing after another, you know, he kept saying, what, what's his name again? Jay Prince. Jay Prince. Yeah. He came out and he was like, oh, if Drake, he actually made, you know, the diss song, but if Drake drops this, it's going to be really bad for like Kanye. So that's why he didn't release it at first. And now Drake's going to say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to release it because it might end in one of our lives ending. Like, come on. It, it's one thing after another. Like, you're just trying to make up excuses. Like you bodied meek, body push a T. Uh, not that hard you know how to do it drake no
2: no Mania no no no
3: we can't You're know I mean? calling them out
1: like i said in the last podcast There's is no. that a world tour or your girl's toy do uh, it again drake I don't do think it again
3: able to do that to push her drake did not want to go as
2: dark Pusha, Pusha was, to Pusha go, was ready. Pusher was ready. He said, "He said, I'm about to get surgical. We're gonna take this real, real slow." He had more dirt on Drake. He did. He definitely, he definitely did. had more yeah. dirt on Drake. You don't. You don't drop. Especially you don't drop a a diss song on your album without having like ammunition for days.
1: So Drake's scared. That's what I'm kind of hearing you say. I mean,
3: hey, that's, I mean the man is four hey, years old with brains. Hey. I mean, I'd be scared too. <laughs>
1: hey,
2: come on now. <laughs> come on hey, now. Hey, but man. hey, you gonna say that to to his face? Who, me? Yeah, yeah, you. Is he forty that he's four years old with braids? Yeah, yeah. T- I would say that oh, to yeah, his face. Yeah, yeah, you gon you gonna wake up dead. But uh next, let's let's move on. Uh all so right. in terms of we all know Drake, how good Drake is with the IG quotables. What is one line that our audience will be able to find under one of y'all pictures? This I got year? you. I got okay. you.
3: Um I gotta take mine from Sandra's Rose. Okay. I'm the chosen one. Flowers never pick <laughs> themselves. Uh um, mine. It was just a great it was just great man. I heard that right before the break in the song and I was yeah. just like, Whoa, I gotta rewind this. Yeah, I, I did f- I gotta bring this back to see what this man actually said because this one that that was pretty heat. That yeah. was pretty heat. Um but the thing about it is though, like with any um good Drake quotables that we're gonna be seeing them, um oh, I'm overwritten yeah. <laughs> on IG. So um I'm gonna challenge everybody that's that's listening to this. If you if you see that IG caption, please comment basic under it so we can stop this
2: madness. That's why you always got to get your captions out in the next 24 hours or else it's done. What about you, Mania?
1: Um, I'm definitely going to go with uh, 8 out of 10. Too rich for who? Y'all just got rich again.
2: That's real. Apparently that's a sub at Kanye too. You know how Kanye went in debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. However, you know me, I'm going to have to go with the Morehouse anthem on finesse. It
3: takes... Some finesse.
2: That's it. That's yeah. all I
3: needed. I don't know what that was, but you, that's were, all I needed. you were definitely out of key with that. That's, but it's okay. Hey,
2: I, I wasn't fine. even trying to be in key because I can't fine. sing. And that's the beauty about knowing you can't sing. That's no fine. one can ever, <laughs> ever hurt
3: you. All right. Can, so at can the can same I'm time. I'm emotion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's
2: yeah. dead. That's dead. So we all know that Drake, in the words of Donovan Dooley, is a dork sometimes. Yeah. I don't like the word Dork. He I like I, I just like he's he's a no stranger to being corny. So what what's that one corny line that y'all just can't can't get over in terms of Drake? Um Hmm, interesting.
3: From this album? Yeah. From this album? Uh
2: a, I can give you all mine. Go ahead. Mine give, is, give me I, yours. I, this one, when I heard it, it, it kind of ruined the song. Everyone was, you know, talking about how good 8 out of a 10 is, but when he said, "Only dead beats are the one I be rapping on," on the are the ones I be rapping on, I couldn't get over that. That was corny. Like,
1: what does that mean? That was well, I, like I can't, what? I, I, can't
2: I mean, I, we,
3: everybody understood
2: <laughs> his <laughs> they logic. I understood
3: <laughs> his logic it's behind like, it, can, but he's talking about <laughs> No, Bruh. everybody's calling him a deadbeat father. He Bruh. says, I'm not, basically saying, I'm not a deadbeat father. The only, the only beat that's dead are these beats that I'm killing when I'm rapping on. Oh, them. And that and was too corny for and me. And that's, man. Uh, it was, it was, it was alright, it was, right. it was uh, but that ain't it. But yeah.
1: my problem is you've only seen the child twice. So Ooh. you are a deadbeat.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Talk about that, man. Talk Ooh. about that. Talk about that, Duh. You can't just leave that out there. Ooh. You can't leave that out there. you're Expound on that. I Ooh. mean,
1: just that line. Like, I mean, you're saying that, but it's like, I mean, it, it's kind of true. Like, okay, you might be feeding her money, but in terms of you spending time with the child, mm. you know,
2: where that QT coming from?
1: Yeah.
2: That's real.
3: That's Get real. Your dad's compost out on the That's podcast. Real. Ooh, HBCU. Yeah,
2: 468. I'm
1: on my Jay Z, you know, Woo! my Jay Z right now.
3: Yeah, yeah. HBCU. 468.
2: <laughs> hey, so Comfort, folks, next, obviously before before you know we, we in this segment, this is something that I I just recently learned. It's kind of funny. So, you know, in terms of Drake trying to end the beef, now I think it it would have gotten a lot worse. Oh, not worse definitely. in the way that y'all think. Excellent. So after. Uh, in the midst of this uh, Jay-Z, Nas beef, you know, around Blueprint 1 and Stillmatic, this man, Jay-Z, dropped a song that was so out of pocket that this man's mom, Gloria Carter, made him go on live radio and apologize, y'all. Y'all think uh, Drake's mom would have made him go apologize if it would have gotten that bad?
1: I mean, Drake's mom did say they too old for that. 100%. I, you know, like yeah, asked she did how do that. you feel about the beef So She did say it's, that. it's definitely not fucked She did say
3: that. She did say that. I will tell you what, though, if your mama making you apologize, just know you won. You won. You won, bro. If your mom make you apologize, no, you think I think
1: you're your hurt. mom's like ain't it now for we find out something else. That's I what I think. I don't, don't know about I don't that.
2: Think, I don't think Hova won that beef. But I don't I'll know about that. Either, either definitely still exists. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's it's something to ponder.
1: So before we get out of here, I have to ask you guys, what was your all-time favorite song on this album? All-time.
3: I'm going to go with the Emotionless, and not far behind it "Not." Oh, you're not
1: singing it today?
3: Y'all oh, he already singing took it. it. He already he took it. I'll sing it again. I can't fade.
2: For
1: the I, fans, for your fans. For my
3: fans, you know. Oh, for dude. everybody doesn't know, you know, I'm dropping my double-sided album in and, and, you know, November. <laughs> is coming. Um, but here goes
1: emotionless
3: yes side B that's a side B that's a side B dually we don't know nothing about that side B dually I can't fade I can't do it but yeah emotionless and non-stop what about you, Mania?
1: I'm definitely going to have to agree with Donovan on the emotionless. I think that took everybody by surprise when he said that line about his kid. And especially with the whole our generation with how we uh perceive social media and taking pictures just for, you know, people to see instead of actually enjoying the moment. And I actually want to share this tweet with you guys. This person said, I wasn't hiding my grades from my mom. I was hiding my mom from my grades. <laughs> And Mafia. that's a shot. And when Jake, when Drake said, you know, wasn't hiding the kid, yeah. from the world, you know that thing. So, that's, that, was, that, was, yeah. that's that was, that's pretty funny. funny. Like Drake, what, what is it really? You know, Ugh. <laughs> I'm a definitely. Really? I'm. A, <laughs> what is it really? Sips tea.
2: Um, I'm definitely gonna go with talk up. This man, DJ Paul, killed that beat. That uh, NWA Dope Man sample out of this Dope world. Man. Out of this world. Uh And then Hov and, Hove and Drake on the same track that, you know, usually produces a solid song. But this beat and then H- the way that Hov came in and then the whole Zimmerman lot, yeah. line. Y'all oh, killed
1: X and let Z- Zimmerman live. Streets is done. Oh, my like, gosh. Jay coming for everybody.
2: It's A. Hey. Everybody. Hey man. And, and, and Drake held his own, too. He did. Drake, Drake definitely he did. held his own. I definitely. It's a nice song. I First couple listens, it kind of, you know, I was like Drake kind of came in kind of late. But, you know, upon further review, he kind of did his thing.
1: All right. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we will talk with retired NBA player Jason Collins about pride and the NBA. Before we jump into the next segment, just want to let folks know that Bill Roden is on the line. Welcome back, Bill.
0: Great to be here, guys. You guys have really uh, commandeered the program, doing a great job.
1: Before we talk to Jason, give us your quick thoughts on LeBron's move to L.A.
4: Well, Mania, I guess my first thought was that I wish I was going with him. Uh, And I love Los Angeles. I mean, it's nothing like New York, but L.A. is great. And for everything that LeBron wants to do uh, for his business interests, probably for his family, uh, you know, quality of life, I think Los Angeles is just the perfect place to be at this particular juncture. And also, I think that for his legacy, you know, uh, to have the chance to resuscitate a, a great organization in the Lakers. And then the idea of actually leading the Lakers to a championship, that would be, the third franchise that LeBron would lead to a a, a championship, you know, Cleveland, Miami, and now L.A., I think if he were to do that, pull that off, I think there would be no doubt in any reasonable, reasonable person's mind that he was the greatest of all time. So I just think it's a great move for him.
1: Summer is officially here. This means the NBA Summer League is about to start and the LGBTQ Pride Month has come to a close. Pride festivities and parades have taken place in various cities around the world. And if you went to the one in New York, you would have seen the NBA float. Former NBA player Jason Collins was there, along with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, Knicks head coach David Fisdale, and others. Collins was the first openly gay player in the league, where he played 13 seasons with the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, Washington Wizards, and Atlanta Hawks. He now works as an ambassador for NBA Cares, the league's social responsibility program. He joins us on the phone. Welcome to the show, Jason.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, hey Jason, I know that we, we, we want to talk about Pride Month, and we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff. But just one question. Who was the most terrifying player that you had to face between Kobe, LeBron, and uh, Michael? In terms of somebody who would keep you up at night thinking about them, not one of them.
5: No, not 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 one of them. (laughs) Not one of them. I'll tell you, Uh. the guy who kept me up at night was Shaquille O'Neal. That guy. That's what I would have guessed. You, you better. You, you, I, I, cause I don't need ice packs and, and a leave and Advil for Kobe, LeBron, or, or MJ. You know, those guys will, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to score the ball. They're going to, you know, lead their team. But Shaq was out there. If he got it in his mind that he was going to punish you, <laughs> we used to, uh, nickname his move. We, we called one of them the spine tingler. And that one was where he would uh, he would take a couple hard dribbles to the middle and then spin back. And when he spin back, so when he spin back with with his and lead with his elbow and his upper arm, he didn't care if you were in position or out of position. He was putting his elbow through your chest, and you, <laughs> you're gonna make a choice. Either you're gonna fall down and, and try to you know look at the raft for help. Or you just gonna take that punishment and then you know tell the trainer to get the ice bags ready for after the game. (laughs) So there was no the other guys. You know they're 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 great players. Um, You know all of them you can make a case for for why they are you know in you know top three, top five NBA players. But there are very few players that punish you, like physically punish you. And Shaq is at the top of that list. And uh, you can ask Kimbe Matumbo. I think we all have seen that slow mo where Shaq in the finals with the 76ers put his elbow through Dikembe's chin. Mm. <laughs>
2: so, kind of switching gears a little bit, I read a lot about your work with NBA Cares. Can you tell the audience, you know, what what exactly you're doing with NBA Cares?
5: Sure. So for the past four years, I've been an NBA CARES ambassador, uh, working uh, with the many different corporate and community partnerships that we have at the NBA, putting together events that put a smile on everyone's faces. And uh, it's a really great opportunity to give back to, uh, to our fans, but then also to our players. Uh, I've had an opportunity, speaking to every single incoming rookie and talking to them about their language in the locker room and um, helping them realize that uh, the locker room, uh, it's, a, it's a workplace environment and how to make it more inclusive and accepting of everyone.
1: Um, in a recent interview you did with Kelly Evans, you said you were trying to change the culture of the sport. How do you plan on changing it, and what would you want to change it to?
5: I mean, it's actually funny because today there was a... Um, a soccer player for the team in Minnesota who came out mm. and uh and with him doing that he became the only out male athlete in the five major sports leagues in in North America. And trust me I know that there are there are other athletes. <laughs> so um it it's a matter of trying to create an environment where those other athletes feel comfortable to you know say who they, you know this is who I am and that they're able to to um, live their authentic life in a very out and open way and not feel that they have to hide who they are. One of the coolest feelings that I ever experienced was uh, playing for the Brooklyn Nets uh, in two thousand and fourteen, being a, an out open athlete, and after the game was over, seeing my boyfriend in the family room with everyone else's significant other, and just being part of the group and not feeling that I have to hide anything and just being like this is this is who I am and you know you get to bring your significant other to cheer for you and support you and I get to do the same and that's what I want every single athlete to have that opportunity to experience hey Jason this is Bill uh Bill Roden here in New York since you uh since you came out
0: how um you've mentioned there's still a reluctance uh, of people. I mean, why is that?
5: There's, you know, many factors that go into that. I think a couple, the, the major one is fear. The, the fear that we create in our own heads about, you know, what's going to happen if I make this announcement? Will my teammates look at me differently? Will my peers look at me differently? Will my family, will my fans, um, will they still support me? Will the league still support me? And, um, and then, there's that whole, um, the quote unquote distraction. I don't want to be a distraction type of thing, but it's, um, I look at it more as like you're missing an opportunity to be an inspiration to someone. You're missing an opportunity to make someone else's life easier and better by making that statement. And, which is why I'm so proud of every single, uh, out a- athlete, whether they are uh, male or female just living their truth and living their life in a in an open way, and it, it's very unfortunate that those athletes who are who are closeted, you know, don't feel comfortable yet or safe uh, yet to step forward.
3: Jason, I kind of want to ask you um, a question, kind of piggybacking off you what you just said. Has anyone came up to you and said that you've been an inspiration to them after um, after you came out? And second, and secondly, um, how do you feel the NBA specifically has evolved into making it more comfortable for players to come out without that sense of fear that you spoke of?
5: Uh, yes. Uh, many athletes, uh, have come out to me, um, or have come up to me and said that I've been an inspiration. It's kind of interesting. I was just in New York, uh, this past week and outsports.com. Uh, had a, a reunion for LGBTQ athletes uh, in New York. So at that reunion, I met several different uh, athletes, uh, some of which are still in college. And and when you walked into the room, they had a whiteboard, and they said, uh, write who your inspiration is as a, an LGBTQ athlete, who inspired you the most. And I wrote Martina Navratilova. Uh, she's a huge uh, idol of mine. But it was very surreal to see my name alongside hers. A, a lot of the-, the young men and women uh, wrote my name up on that board. So that was really cool to see. Um, your second question about the NBA. The NBA continues as an organization, especially from the league office perspective, to send out signals that – you will be supported you will be accepted homophobic language um, any kind of homophobic language used by any of our players is a minimum $50,000 fine. Also doing events like marching in the New York City Pride Parade and having our commissioner and having our uh, number two Mark Tatum and having you know league executives and our commissioner you know on the float and marching alongside. Uh, other members of the NBA and WNBA family is incredible, and then this year seeing uh, three current players—Reggie Bullock, John Henson, and um, Michael Beasley—also participating and, and you know being on the float and showing how how much of an ally and how important it is to be an ally to the community and a vocal ally. Just those constant signals that it's a welcoming, accepting community and it's about supporting your your brothers and sisters and really having your, your their backs and showing up for them so that it's, it's incredible seeing those messages and seeing those signals that the NBA is constantly putting out so you spoke about allies and I kind of wanted to ask you what more
2: can you know these professional sports organizations do um, is it the promotion of you know The importance of allies is it about upper management being more strict when it comes to using uh, inappropriate language
5: or your opinion what more can uh, these governing bodies do if you're an athlete or if you're a coach general manager owner use the platform that you have and be vocal be visible show up if you see something that's inappropriate put a stop to it immediately it's it's a matter of being vocal, being visible constantly. So it's not just like a one-time thing. And that's the, one, the great thing about the NBA. We're not just a one-time thing. Uh, we have a program called NBA Voices where we will go into local communities. We've had over 350 of them. And we'll talk about a range of subjects, whether it's trying to bring inner-city uh, law enforcement and the kids together or like we did in New York, working with the local boys and girls club with some of their members who identify as members of the LGBTQ family or allies and talking to them about how we can, can make sports a more inclusive and in particular make basketball a more inclusive sport for everyone. Um, so it's, it's, it's constant thing of um, being vocal, being visible and, being consistent in your message every single day. Hey, uh, one one uh,
0: thing for me, this is Bill again. You, you still mention. I mean, you, you you know, as much as the NBA is doing, NFL, hockey. I, I think still, there still just seems to be this <coughs> fear or reluctance, and maybe yeah. excuse me, it's not the players, but it's, it's the audience, it's
5: the fans. I only had one bad experience face-to-face, and that was with another player. But my my interactions with the fans were incredible, even in cities that I I wasn't expecting, in the South, in the Bible Belt, going through Dallas, New Orleans, Charlotte. um, The reaction from the fans was was incredible. You're always going to have those online people, you know, the online, you know, quote-unquote, those trolls out there who hide behind their keyboards saying comments, but, you know, haters are going to hate regardless. Uh, but to my face, the fans were incredible. I think the fans understand that it's about, you know, supporting those athletes and then, okay, I support it. And so oh, we kind of see it in women's sports already in the WNBA where, Elena Deladon comes out right before the Rio Olympics and everyone's like, yeah, now go win that gold medal. Good for you. Go win that gold medal. And we saw it last year with Sue Bird uh, when she came out that it's like, yeah, okay. how's the team doing? Okay, you know, she's a future Hall of Famer and it's about the team. It's always it'll, it'll always come back to being about the team. Unless, of course, there's certain members of the media who just seem to upset over it. And um, even with me, when I came out and, you know, when I was back with the Brooklyn Nets and, yes, the media covered me for like two weeks, but then it was like, oh, wait, how are the Nets doing? Oh, and, and my first 12 games back, we're 10-2 and, and we're making a strong push for the playoffs. So it's um, it'll always come back. And I keep telling those those athletes that I talk to that are in the closet, that it'll always come back eventually to the team. How's the team doing? If you're if you're in a team sport, you know how's the team doing? Are you performing? And it'll, it'll you know things will eventually get back to normal. And we saw that with Robbie Rogers in MLS and, and soccer, and I'm sure that we will see that again with the uh, the young man who just came out uh, with the Minnesota team. But it, it'll eventually get back to being about how's the team doing.
1: We recorded this interview last week, so we didn't get to ask Jason what he thought about LeBron's decision to be a Laker, but we did ask him to predict where LeBron would go. Here's what he had to say.
5: If he can convince another, like a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, to wind up with him in, uh, on the same team, I would think that the Lakers would be a great destination. You know, there's, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to see what happens. I think Chris Paul is going to stay in Houston. Um, it would have been great to see what would have happened if a healthy Chris Paul for game six and game seven, what would have happened. Um, but, you know, we'll never know. But I, I think, I think that because going into last year, people were talking about, you know, Chris needs the ball in his hands and so does James. And will, you know, will they be able to, you know, play along with, alongside each other and how will that work out? And they showed that <laughs> it works out just fine. You know, James Harden goes on to win the MVP and Chris Paul goes on to show, at least in that, um, that prior series that, and even in the Golden State series, that he is still the Chris Paul that's uh, a playmaker and, you know, one of the best point guards uh, in the league. So it'll be interesting to see what happens though.
1: Jason, thank you so much for coming on to the show.
5: All right, take care, guys. Yeah. Thank you.
1: That's all we have time for today. If there's anything you'd like us to cover, or if you want to leave us a comment, tweet us at the Undefeated hashtag Rodenfellows. You can also contact us directly. I'm underscore Minia Shabazz.
2: I'm at
3: St. Claude II. And I'm at Donovan Dooley.
0: And I'm at W.C. Roden.
1: Thank you for listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. This show is produced by Erin Matthewson. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and Kyrie Williams. Get all the HBCU 468 podcasts, as well as the plug, The Right Time with Bamani Jones, and Morning Roast by subscribing to the Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.